Greetings, salutations, peace to the nation. It's Caroline, back for episode two of the Pseudo Intellect podcast. So, hello. I just want to start off really by thanking everyone who listened to the first episode about beliefs and for all the lovely supportive feedback and kind words that I've had about it. Gosh, it was by no means perfect. I acknowledge the sound was dodgy particularly in the intro, I didn't really sound like myself either, so serious, Uh, but I was just delighted by what people said because it doesn't come naturally to me to put myself out there, so thank you, but of course I welcome any constructive criticism Mm -hmm. because I want this show to grow and to be better and critique is required for that, and this is certainly a work in progress as you know. Christ, I sound like I think I'm a celeb. Uh, It's just, do you know when you cook a meal for strangers? Well, that would make you a chef, wouldn't it? Okay, not cook a meal for strangers. (laughs) Let's say bake a cake for your colleagues. So they're not family or or close friends, so you're more worried than usual whether they're happy with it. Ego thing creeping in here. And you wait with bated breath, watching them nodding. Did you like it? It feels like that, but way more. Anyway... There you go. So my prep for the first episode was about an hour's reading on how to make a podcast and then wrote to Nikhil and talked to him as I normally would. Recorded it on my phone with some £17 mics from Amazon. Actually, I shouldn't give them a shout out on this episode because the amount of packaging that they envelop their products in is superfluous and you'll see why that's relevant quite soon. I'm not just saying random things. Also, shout out to Super Sandra, by the way, I said I would. She's a podcast editor on the app Fiverr. It's a freelance app. She was so helpful to me. So if you're looking to do a podcast yourself, I recommend her. I've tried mastering Audacity. I can use it, but it's so time consuming. I don't think I have adequate male bighorn sheep on my laptop. So need to get that sorted. Anyway, This episode is about veganism and sustainability. So please don't switch off. Please hear me out. Remember, I aim to cover topics that are relevant to everyone. So I know most of you aren't vegans. I know the whole vegan thing is being shoved into your visages from every angle in the media and the word vegan. It stirs up the image of social justice warrior, holier than thou, preachy, gobby, hippie, self-righteous, elephant pants, attention-seeking, feminist, bigoted, wouldn't be friends with that, wouldn't date that kind of thing. Honestly, I see it when I tell people I am one. I see it in their faces. It often invokes an eye roll. It has a lot of negative connotations associated with it, I'll admit. I even kind of have them, and I am one. But I want to have a discussion today about the rationale for veganism and talk about sustainability within that. That's why it's relevant to everyone. I'll explore the topic in a balanced way, not just to push the vegan agenda. I promise that's not what I'm about. So I've had an open and frank conversation about the pros and cons to ensure it's not just a biased monologue. I wrote to my older brother, Patrick, who's a lawyer, uh, to engage in this discussion with me because he likes to debate. He's really smart. He's open-minded. He's fair, a critical thinker, and he's a raging meat eater. Now, this is a gargantuan topic. Honestly, we have missed so many things out, including the use of makeup, medicines tested on animals, about the clothes that esteemed vegans should wear, and the whole debate on how their synthetic particles get into the water system. Christ, we didn't even go into fishing, the fishing industry, plastic, renewables. Are they actually the answer, or is it nuclear? Rabbit holes galore. Didn't even touch them. So I think I even say Earth's heat at some point. I meant sun's heat when talking about the greenhouse effect this is. So just so you think, so you don't think I'm an absolute bollocks, just thought I'd mention that. I didn't even do Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old climate change activist, Justice. I didn't talk about her properly. She's a goddamn hero adopting a lifestyle that supports her rhetoric. So do trick her out. Unless you've been living under a rock, you'll be aware of her. 
I am recording this intro post-conversation with Paddy, so I just wanted to acknowledge some of the gaps. But once we start talking, you'll realise there's just so much to cover. So, if people like it, I can do another episode on this topic at some point. And if not, that's cool too. Anyway, let's go. Okay, Paddy, hi. Hi, Cara. Hi, thanks for uh, agreeing to do this. It's all right. With me, taking your valuable time on Sunday. So what prompted you to move from being a vegetarian to becoming vegan? Yeah, so I suppose initially when I was veggie, I was ignorant to a lot of what was going on in the dairy industry. So just to clarify, vegans don't eat dairy or any other animal products. Uh, There are a few, uh, like honey. We also don't wear animal products either or use things that have been tested on animals. So... I suppose I educated a bit myself a bit more on the dairy industry. Let me go into the dairy industry a bit and also eggs as well. So cows are meant to live about 20 to 25 years, let's say, if they're not being used for dairy. On average, their lifespan when they're a dairy cow is, is four to five years. So what reason is that for? Is it that, you know, at the end of their sort of peak production time, they're dispatched or... Mm. Is it that they simply live a, a shorter life? They are bred in order to maximise profits, in order to produce as much milk as possible. So I think people think that they get a bull and they get the bull to have sex with the female cow. But in the factory farming setting, they basically jack off a bull. They either get like a dildo, shove it up his bum, and uh, he ejaculates. They then get this semen and they get a rod, and stick it up the cow yeah. um, and artificially inseminate her. So I don't actually think people know that. It's not pleasant and mm. there's no getting away from it, you know, whether people like it or not. So they actually put the female cow in something called, what the industry calls, a rape rack. So she's in a confined space so they can shove this rod up her. They keep the pr- cow pregnant for pretty much the whole of her life because the only time that the cow is producing milk lactating is when she's pregnant and then as soon as the the calf is born the calf gets taken away Mm -hmm. because the milk that shits for us not for the calf and obviously as a mother does now I know most people don't view animals and human emotions as the same but it does cause the animal some distress so if the calf is male throat gets slit and he's sold as veal And if it's female, then she's reared as a a dairy cow. So generally the reason why they live four to five years is because they're permanently pregnant. So it's exhaustion on the body. At the end of that life, they're then used for meat. So people think, oh, dairy and meat industry is different. It's pretty much the same thing. So your dairy cow is eventually used for meat. Just in terms of what a dairy cow may go through, you're constantly producing milk mastitis so it's an infection of the udder actually some of that pus and blood is going to be in your milk just so just so people know so yes they do filter it but uh, they have a certain allowance that they're they're allowed to leave in yeah it causes premature aging also the egg industry as well so i think people generally are aware of what battery hens are and that's banned in this country but there's kind of one there's free range but then there's kind of one step down from that with it Kept in a, an enclosure. I think it's caged hens. Caged hens, yes. It ain't great either. Mm. There are some processes that I didn't, I wasn't actually aware of again before, in order to again maximise the amount of eggs. So people think, well, chickens produce eggs anyway, right? What's the issue? And you're not killing the chicken. So probably a wild chicken, what they're originally derived from, would go roughly produce twelve to thirteen a year, so one a month, like woman mm-hmm. a chicken that's bred for laying two to three hundred eggs per year uh, we know because we have chickens yep. some of our chickens get broody so she sits on the egg then when you try and take the egg away she gets a bit upset so she's essentially thinking that her baby's been taken away which isn't too nice but yes when the chicken stops laying so much 
one process that some industries use or some companies or whatever use is they starve the chicken. So five to 14 days, apparently, and they put them in the dark. Apparently that rejuvenates some egg production. It depends how you view animals, really. To me, it's it's kind of black and white and that it's not nice. It's yeah, not nice it amounts to, the to cruelty. Absolutely. And people have dogs and they wouldn't treat their dog that way. And I just struggle with with why we view them differently. And it's a societal thing. It's just what we deem as, as normal. And even then, I can think, let's say you see like a little tiny bug and you step on it and it dies. Are you going to be as upset as if you see a dog get run over? Probably not. This yeah. is generally how we just view things in a bit of an arbitrary way. So I suppose where is the line, really? I just wanted to say all of that because I don't think people are quite aware of some of the things that, that go on. They think, we aren't killing the animal, so what's the issue? There's so much more. There's In factory farming as well, we can go on to that a bit more. But actually, there's. have you ever watched the film Food Inc.? I think I have. Yeah, I watched it ages ago. It's kind of blurred into all the other ones. So, I recommend people listening watch that as well. This is such a rabbit hole, this topic. But there's exploitation of people within the industry. So, hey, even if you don't give a fuck about the animals and you care about people, have a look at that film and and see what's done to Mexican immigrants. Mm -hmm. Because essentially, they may come in illegally. They're used in the meat industry. And then these companies call immigration on them and get them deported. So And probably hold that as a threat over their head. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's taking advantage of the environment, mm-hmm. people, animals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what's in the news currently is about the Amazon being on fire and people are kind of up in arms in that. But I don't think people that realise that eighty percent of deforestation and it's not just due, I believe, it's not just due to cattle Climate farming change. for me, but it's due to um, also agriculture as well. So yeah. there's deforestation, 80% of it is for farming, whether it's agriculture or meat. And um, timber. Timber, yes. I, that's that's um, separate in that stat. I believe that's the other 20%. I'd have to look oh, that up. Okay. But about 80% is just, just for farming. So I'm not saying that Veganism is actually the answer. Well, I'd say there are hypocrisies as well in veganism. So let's take, for example, the deforestation issue. There's a lot of deforestation for palm oil. That's something that I'm currently trying to change. Now that I've gone vegan, I'm now looking at... So people go vegan for often due to the animal, like the ethics for animals. And then I'd say the second most popular reason is sustainability. Mm -hmm. But as you can pick me up or not, I know you've spoken to me about it before. It's palm oil. What else were you telling me as well? Well, I suppose it was about, let's take, for example, avocados. Mm. They're not grown in this country. Yeah. But there is a huge appetite now in this country for avocados. Mm -hmm. It is driving up the prices in the countries where they're produced, where it's been a staple for tens of thousands of years. So that essentially, you know, I was reading the stat the other day. It said that uh, in Mexico the cost of a kilo of avocados is now $3, mm-hmm. which is essentially the daily minimum wage. Yeah. So it's pricing mm-hmm. the indigenous people out of a staple. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's not sustainable. It's, mm-hmm. you know, ethically questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, agreed. And um, it's really plugged by, by vegans. So essentially there are hypocrisies in, in what they say, and, and I'm not denying that. It'd be ignorant of me mm. to deny that. And then you've also got to transport those avocados, you know, halfway around the world to wherever they're going to be consumed. Mm-hmm. Also, almond milk, well, it actually really bothers me because there's so many different types of alternative milk. So there's oat milk, cashew milk, Brazil nut milk. Almond milk's really plugged. I see more so than most other and, and it bothers me. So I think between 2010 and 2015, the market for almond milk surged by 250%. Many people choose almond milk for having a smaller carbon footprint when compared with dairy milk. What may be surprising though is that almond milk takes a toll on the environment in other ways. It's actually due to the production, so it's due to the water use and pesticide use, and it may produce long-lasting effects on the environment in drought, 
stricken California where more than 80% of the world's almonds are grown. So that does need to be considered. I think vegans really need to do a bit more research. And be a bit more conscious about what they're consuming, where it comes from, Mm -hmm. whether it's seasonal, whether it's sustainable. Definitely. You know, the knock-on effect then on, you know, the environment. Yeah, because another way is actually buying seasonal vegetables as well. So you can grow them yourself. But it's kind of difficult in this country because, you know, you are limited over the winter as to what can be grown. Sure. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. Still doesn't mean that you could do your bit in terms of thinking about growing something Mm. yourself. Being out in nature is a good, well, you know, mum and dad have a bit of an allotment as well. Being out in nature, growing your own veg apparently helps reduce stress levels, good for your well-being. It's organic, tastes better. The cucumbers definitely taste better, so do the tomatoes. How many times has dad told us about the tomatoes? (laughs) And they're just beautiful, aren't they? Just beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, dad grills about five tomatoes and has them on his toast. Oh, can't get enough. Sustainable living is a lifestyle that attempts to reduce an individual or society's use of the earth's natural resources and of one's personal resources. Obviously, it's in the current zeitgeist now about living more sustainably, whether it's pollution, whether it's plastic, etc. I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole, plastic as well. So in terms of being more sustainable, I had a bit of a read in terms of plant-based diet compared to meat. Also, people eat a lot of meat, a lot, a lot. Um, So... There is definitely sort of a trend, though, of Mm. of people being a little bit more conscious about the amount of meat they're consuming. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would suspect it is reducing. I don't know to what extent. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. Mm -hmm. Which is a good thing. In terms of the the stats, so I was reading, estimated amount of water needed to produce 100 grams of beef is about 2,200 litres, taking into account the huge amount of water needed for forage crops. Yet there's... So... If we compare it to, and what I was going to get onto, an alternative to meat, because changing people's habits, changing people's attitude towards meat, is hard. It's a societal thing. Now, it might seem really wacky, but an alternative could be insects. Now, that's not a vegan thing, because I don't believe in killing insects as much as I believe in killing animals. What if they're already dead? That's a good point. So people pose this to me, actually, because um, I don't think veganism is black and white. There are varying vegans on the spectrum. I mean, they are renowned for being annoying, holier than now and preachy. They're on a spectrum, though. They're not all the same. So <laughs> actually, there's a restaurant in uh, America, and you, if you find roadkill, yep. you can bring it in and they'll cook it for you. And it's called, and the tagline is, from your grill to ours. As in, like, from your grill on the car to our grill, as in to cook. Arguably, sure, because you're not wasting it. If it's accidentally killed, I mean, I would say that if there's a dead human, why wouldn't you eat the human flesh? We think we're special, so we have... It's probably against the law, Karen. Oh, I know. Yeah, it is. So there are, I think, health issues associated with cannibalism. However, people are going to think I'm so strange. But if you think about it philosophically, if there were no health implications, let's say, for argument's sake, that person gave consent as well before they died. Mm. Why not? Why not eat them? I suppose it depends what they died of. Absolutely, fair enough. So, his old age, you know, they, the meat, the meat might be not a be bit great. Stringy, so. <laughs> More like mutton than lamb, sure. Yeah. But I just think, on paper, if you think about that as a thought experiment, I don't see the problem with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even without consent. Anyway, yeah, people think it's strange, but that's because they think we're special. And um, I don't. I don't see why anyway eating insects is quite common in other countries like thailand actually they have they're a higher source of protein per gram they're really 
there's a good amount of nutrition in them as well. So they have selenium, amino acids, B12. The overheads are cheaper. You don't require the vast amount of farmland. Essentially, you could farm insects. A lot less water is required. So they're thinking on average about 2,000 times less water per 100 grams of insect than a beef. Now, when people go to Thailand, it's seen as like a, a novelty food. But it looks like an insect, right? Yep. Your beef burger doesn't look like a cow. It looks like a burger. And you've been conditioned that, that it looks good. People don't tend to like things, to eat things that look like the original animal. So why not make an insect that looks like a burger? So I think that could be one alternative. Now, that's not a vegan perspective because you're killing insects. So that wouldn't be something I would do. Mm-hmm. But people are hard to change. So I think we need to think of, if we're just thinking about sustainability-wise, because, hey, for everyone listening, it's your world too. And you need to start acting like your house is on fire because it is. Greta Thunberg, follow her on Instagram. And she has a lot of good things to say about how urgent climate change is. Um, And we really need to do something about it. So what people could say about eating insects is, uh, well, it it does kind of challenge your social norms. They look disgusting, etc. What I would say to you is, what does a lobster look like? To me, I mean, that looks like an insect. Oysters aren't particularly palatable. No. It was a brave man that first ate an oyster. Exactly. It looks like a giant bogey. Yeah. Um, Also, someone was doing some weird shit with a cow (laughs) in order to discover that they could drink that juice. So I just think, I find it funny what people are disgusted by, that people are like, I'm not going to eat. Eat an insect. It's cultural norms, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, I understand that. I just think people need to be brave and to challenge those. So just have a think about it for a second. You eat black pudding. I did that because uh, our uncle Noel, <laughs> he, can't, he can't say black pudding. He goes, black pudding? <laughs> That's congealed blood and fat, yeah. isn't it? And it's, and, well, it's a superfood, apparently. Is it? Yeah. What, really? Yep. Superfood, though, I'm quite it's actually suspect a, of that. Quite a low fat content. Does it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I stand corrected then. But if you think about what it's made from, it's not made from the best parts of the animal. I know, but if we're looking at sure. killing an animal, why not use all of the animal? Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. What? So I suppose my point here is that people are disgusted by insects, but actually look at what you're eating you're eating congealed blood and insects of the sea in the form of shellfish and lobster etc so maybe just have a think about that and you're just kind of being hypocritical there and just challenge yourself a bit and it's taste you know yeah also that meat's convenient and it's cheap so i think that could be one alternative another thing is lab meat so from stem cells so they're growing meat in labs so no consciousness from an animal. I think the first burger cost about a mil, uh, a million pound. But if, I don't know, is one of the issues with veganism if it's derived from an animal. Mm. So those stem cells are initially derived sure. from an animal. Clearly, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's not going to be ongoing suffering. But Agreed. Where did the original come from? Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, in terms of the stem cells, I'd have to find out whether you actually need to, to kill the animal or mm. not. You have to think about the bigger picture. So I'm a vegan and I wouldn't kill an animal. However, if I want to massively reduce the suffering and so actually make this a widespread thing so that the majority of the population adopt it, well, then I think lab meat is the way to go. Just because you say to people, oh, animals suffer and, you know, the climate is suffering, people don't want to change. They they have their habits. Lots of people don't view animals in the same way as I do, as pretty much equal to us. Some people are ignorant and don't even think they feel pain. Well, they just don't care. And I think then we need to compensate for that attitude. And what's handy as well is that Petri dish is around. (laughs) So when you grow the meat, it's already burger shaped. (laughs) 
so our lab meet, I think, I really want them to expedite that because um, I know that came out quite a while ago. I haven't really heard much since, but yeah, that could be a way to go. People don't need to change their habits. You can still have your meat without, without the suffering. A thing I've read recently, it was a couple in the UK, not sure exactly where, but mm. they took over an arable farm. Mm. The yields on the crops ever grown weren't particularly good due to the soil, due to you know overuse historically. So they decided to go back to cattle farming, farming mm. livestock. So they essentially went high welfare, organic, and essentially just allowed the animals to free roam round mm -hmm. around the land. And basically there was kind of a turnaround in, in terms of the ecology. Mm -hmm. So the animals were obviously happy mm -hmm. because they weren't, weren't pumping sort of antibiotics into the animals. Mm -hmm. The dung essentially from the animals was more useful because they had you know 12 different types of worm a load mm -hmm. of different types of dung beetle mm -hmm. these took the nutrients down into the soil regenerated the soil yeah one of the issues as well with sort of meat production is methane production from the animals mm -hmm. because they were allowing things to sort of for nature to take its course there was particular plants that grew that the the animals consumed and it cut down the the actual methane production so mm -hmm. there was a better sort of i suppose gut profile in the animals which meant they simply produced less methane mm -hmm. but yeah and that sort of has kind of been a success now clearly you can't do that on the industrial scale yeah. that meat production currently is mm -hmm. but if people started to become more conscious about where their food came from yeah invested in this sort of thing mm -hmm. if everyone sort of played the game played mm -hmm. their part you could still consume meat the animals would have a good standard of living mm -hmm. the meat itself is more health beneficial Mm -hmm. but yeah mm. and again just to clarify because there may be vegans listening from a vegan perspective I agree I don't want to kill an animal for meat so I would disagree with that however let's think about the wider population think about other people's attitudes they still want to eat meat and they deem it okay to kill an animal I think actually that's probably what a lot of the population imagine farms are already like yep. do you know what I mean so they think hey well, I see cows in the field, they look all right, and then they just go off to the abattoir and they have a quick death, and that's okay, they've, they've lived a good life, everyone's got to die, right? I think I'd probably have less of an issue if that were the case, but I have exposure to farming, uh, an ex-boyfriend of mine was actually a farmer, and hey, they kept their animals well, by in relative terms. However, I did see them buying cattle from other farms who didn't come in a good state. Hey, the irony, right, that uh, the veggie, I was veggie at the time, was going out with a cattle farmer, I know. And they didn't come in a good state. There's so much variability in how these animals are treated because people are variable. Some people are better than others. Some people care and some people don't. And I don't want to use the word dehumanize because I know people don't see them as kind of human. But when you're dealing with things on such a large scale, they're just if you look at the videos of these factory farms, they just see it as a as a thing. People not become desensitised. So desensitised. They don't see it as a sentient being, and it is. I know you may not rank it on the same level as a human, but it still feels pain and it still feels fear, and that's an awful reality because it can't even rationalise. It can't. It doesn't know why it's going through it. A human can rationalise pain, like there may be an end to this. If I do this, I might be able to get out of it. This person isn't in their right mind. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, whereas an animal is just kind of in the moment feeling the pain. Just to quickly pick up on what you said about the methane, because let's assume that not everyone knows methane's a, a greenhouse gas. Yep. So um, what is kind of accelerating global warming is the greenhouse effect. So there are greenhouse gases being released. And when the Earth's heat comes into the atmosphere, it then gets trapped. By these greenhouse gases so we're releasing greenhouse gases from our motor vehicles our aeroplanes etc but a massive contributor to the greenhouse effect is methane from cows huge in fact so that's just another rationale that that vegans use so that's kind of the sustainability stance just in case people didn't know that mm. um but yeah i get what you're saying there are ways to improve upon the, the farming industry 
So just going on as well from that example, mm-hmm. one, one of their arguments was that I think they come up with this stat that said there's only about 100 harvests left mm. um, on arable land in this country due to overuse, mm-hmm. that the, the soil nutrients have all been leached. Yeah. Um, there was also a great deal of soil erosion, which takes place as a result of ploughing. Yeah. And so if there could be some sort of rotation of land, so for a few years you've got cattle on it, yeah. For a few, you then go back to arable. Mm-hmm. It would be again that would mm-hmm. be more sustainable. Yeah, and that could be achieved if there's less demand for meat, I suppose. So, let's say for those of you who don't want to give up meat, if there's just less demand, then less meat is required. In terms of health-wise, as well. So, if we think about Homo sapiens, because that's what we are, about hundred thousand years ago when we were kind of first came into being. We didn't eat meat every single day. A lot of people are eating meat two, three times a day, as in they might have some for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's obscene. You're not meant to eat that much. Mm. I'm not like, so let's scrap the animal ethics and let's scrap the sustainability. Just you and your body, if you just want to think selfishly about it, it's too much. Your gut hasn't evolved to deal with that. Eating too much red meat leads to high cholesterol, it leads to heart problems. It's just not good for you. So there are these areas in the world, they're called blue zones. So I found them quite interesting actually. Uh, I'll tell you what a blue zone is. So they're a region of the world where Dan Buetna claims that people live much longer than average. The term first appeared in his November 2005 National Geographic magazine cover story, The Secrets of a Long Life. So not only do they live longer, but they also live healthier. They have a better quality of life. So I believe there are five confirmed blue zones. The Italian island of Sardinia, Okinawa in Japan, Loma Linda in California, Costa Rica's isolated Nicoya Peninsula, and Ikaria, so it's an isolated Greek island. So yeah, I, I listened to a really interesting podcast. So people live longer and healthier than anywhere else on earth. And in each of these places, people living to 90 or even 100 years is common. And they aren't just living longer either. These people are living healthy, more healthily, without medication or disability. So we had so many health epidemics in the UK. Approximately, it is said that research shows about 85% of our health Mm. issues preventable. If you look at diabetes, high cholesterol, um, so these are risk, um, so which leads to high blood pressure. These are risk factors for things like stroke. So they all link with each other. So not only do these people live long, because people might think, oh, well, I don't want to live till 100 if I'm old and decrepit, but they're not. Mm. I know people are going to say, well, there must be other variables. Yes, there are. And it's very difficult to control for the other variables, of course. So generally, I'll, I'll get the other variables out of the way at first. They sleep at least eight hours a night. Uh, they often take naps. They have a bit of an inconvenient lifestyle as well. So there's not cars everywhere, there's not fast food everywhere, etc. They're just active, they're not sedentary, they're not sitting at a computer all day. Generally, their stress levels yeah. are lower. So they're probably not in a fast-paced metropolis where they're getting emails, 100 emails a day, which cause your cortisol level to spike. So cortisol is um, a stress hormone. You may not be aware of it spiking, but it is. So often your body may be going through a stress response, even if you don't have conscious stress or you're you're not consciously feeling stressed. So those are some of the other variables. But what was common in all of these blue zones, majority of their diet, plant based. And I'm not saying that they were all vegan. They weren't. I'm not saying that. But 90% of their diet was plant-based. A few of the places were pescatarian, particularly in Japan. So a little bit of fish, that's it. Hardly any meat. And they probably didn't over-consume. That's true as well. So they probably weren't overeating. So it's just something to consider as well. That actually, it can lead to a healthy lifestyle as well. So, because if you think about it, 100,000 years ago, you got a kill once a week, so you ate that meat. The rest of the time, you lived on nuts, berries, whatever you could find. 
And you had to walk to find it. Yeah, yeah. So it just all makes good sense. I just think that we've normalised how much meat we eat and normalised this factory farming. Why is it normal? Because it's not in other parts of the world. It's just it's your normal. Why, why, why do you think vegans are fucking crazy? Why, just because it's opposing your belief, this is kind of linking back to my, my previous podcast, just because it's kind of opposing something that you've held true for so long doesn't make it true. And I'm not attacking you personally. I've eaten meat. I ate meat for years and I ate dairy for years. I only became a vegan fairly recently and I was aware of this and I still didn't make the jump for ages. I thought I would do it gradually and then I just did it cold turkey because my conscience got the better of me and I'm not holier than thou and I don't think I'm better than anyone. What bothers me the most is why people just don't understand it or why people feel personally attacked. I'm not trying to attack you, I'm just doing what I'm doing and if you can just make some changes even if you do one vegan day a week Oh my God, that will make such a difference. So yeah, actually as well, I think veganism forces us to become quite innovative with food. So I'll tell you some of my favorite ones. Jackfruit, so that's quite widely eaten in um, Asia. It's quite a neutral flavor, um, picks up other flavors really well. So you can season it with anything, but it has like quite a meaty texture. So you can make burgers out of it. Pulled pork is quite a common recipe. And also it can have quite a chickeny texture in stir fry. Aquafaba, is that what it's called? Yeah, the chickpea juice. So you get your can of chickpeas and you drain out, you take out your chickpeas, you drain off the juice. And where have I written it down? Because I just call it chickpea juice. Aquafaba? Aquafaba, yeah. So what do you do with it? You can. It's a replacement for egg whites. So meringue, however you make meringue, I think it's egg whites and sugar. And sugar, yeah. Yeah. Just get the aquafaba and your sugar, whisk it up, and it's, it's like the same as meringue. Mum's mm-hmm. made it. You can make macaroons out of it. You can make brownies out of it. Um, ice cream. If you've ever tasted a vegan magnum, it's the same. The ice cream is exactly the same. I don't even know how they make it. I just don't even know why you need dairy ice cream. Yeah. It's just the same. Honestly, I don't notice the difference. There's so many vegan alternatives I really don't like. I haven't found a yogurt I like. Um, Some of the cheeses aren't particularly nice. Crap. I don't like any of the cheeses. I've tried quite a lot. And I'm and also, a lot of this can be expensive. I Absolutely. And again, the whole issue of, you know, where did jackfruit come from? I don't actually know the backstory. Uh, so I know, oh yeah, I suppose the transport from, yeah. from Asia, absolutely. Um, yeah, you're right. Courgette. That's one of my favorites as a replacement for that. So um, because spaghetti, it can be made out of eggs, although you can get um, egg-free pasta. Yeah, I think most of the pasta, the dry pasta that we buy, is egg-free. I don't think it's got eggs in it, yeah. Yeah, but it can be another alternative. Mm-hmm. You don't need to have egg pasta, and, and there are really good egg-free alternatives. Also, as well, people say, well, where do you get your protein from? Where do you get your calcium from? Well, we've just been sold. We've just been sold by the dairy industry that milk is where you get your calcium mm. from. That is just a random push that they made. There are better sources of calcium than milk. Yep. You don't need to get it from cow titty juice. You really don't. So, I mean, chickpeas are something like 20% or t- per 100 grams of chickpea, there's 20, 20 grams of protein. Yes. So, some like really interesting. This was one I saw. Now, I'm, I'm going to explain it so I, I'm not here to deceive you at all. I, I'm, I am completely aware of the drawbacks of veganism and I'm not trying to sell it to be something that it's not. So, broccoli, there are 11.1 grams of protein per 100 calories in broccoli. 6.4 grams of protein per 100 calories in steak. So there is more protein per 100 calories in broccoli than there is in steak. But you'd have to eat a lot of broccoli to get the same amount of calories because obviously there's less. But it's just showing you that you can get protein even from vegetables. Also, oh yeah, equal amount of protein 
in spinach than there is in fish and chicken. Calcium, just some vegetables that you'll find a lot of calcium in, broccoli, cabbage, okra, you also find it in soya, pulses, bread is fortified with calcium, sesame seeds, tahini, there's just so many other sources, it's, it's just to let people know. And of course, you need, do need to pre-pan a bit, so obviously practically, you just need to think about think about what you're eating a little bit more. But once it becomes your norm, it's easy. People are like, oh, isn't it hard? It's difficult initially. It's less convenient. It's less convenient, yeah, definitely. But you get used to it. Mm. You just get used to what you know. A lot of places are catching on. Mm -hmm. You know, my local now has a vegan special. Yeah. There's pretty much always one vegan option. Um, and the thing is, you don't need to be, like people say, oh, I'll be embarrassed about it. I'm really not one of them like, um, Mr. Waiter, I'm vegan, so I can't have this. I'm like, oh, could I just have this dish without the creme fraiche, please? That's it. Yep. Then you're vegan. Like, you don't need to make, you don't need to be a little bitch about it, basically. Because I really don't walk around with, like, a vegan badge on. That's not what I'm about. In fact. The word still does carry some negative connotations for me, I'll admit. But, yeah, you can do it. If you People say to me, oh, I really couldn't be vegan. Yes, you could. It just depends how much you want to be. It just depends what your motivation is. You can do it if you want to. Do you know what is handy? I have no willpower. Willpower's weak. <laughs> so at work, when there's cake, I can't eat the cake. So it's good in that respect. <laughs> then I do just go and eat some digestives or something. <laughs> But, um, no, it, it can be good in that respect, that I can't always have what's there, especially at work. So, we did touch on a few hypocrisies of veganism earlier. Um, so, one being palm oil, so it's a monoculture. There's a lot of deforestation for palm oil. So, that is ubiquitous in all our products. If you look at, you just go to your cupboard, I guarantee 80% of your products have palm oil in it's in chocolate it's in your aldi rosemary crackers which i love but i'm trying to swap my products out now so instead of my rosemary crackers i'm having these salt and vinegar rice cakes so i'm starting to make those swaps because i see that hypocrisy um i'm not saying i'm palm oil free i'm not but there are so i'm buying this uh, peanut butter that has sustainable palm oil yeah. um now i'm just making these changes gradually because it is hard and it is expensive but I just feel like if I don't, then it's just undermining kind of what I'm doing with the veganism thing. I suppose a similar thing to that could be high street fashion. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I love clothes. If anyone knows me, love clothes. Love fashion. Fast fashion is so damaging to the environment. So that's the next, that's the next goal. But one step at a time because changing habits is hard. Mm. That's and probably going to be the most painful one for you. I would say. Probably, yes, I agree. I would love to set up my own fashion line that's sustainable. That would be great. Yeah, yeah it, I think that's going to be a, a painful one for me, definitely. I mean, being vegan was, was hard, but yeah, agreed. So, and also travel. Yeah. I don't think people view it like that, but because it, it's, by an air flight, it's so cheap. We just jet off all over the world just on a whim. It's so bad for the environment. It's cheaper to go on holiday abroad than it is to than go on holiday is. in this country for a similar period to a similar standard. I know. I just went to the Cotswolds, the Robin Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> it's so expensive. I could have gone two nights away to the continent, probably for roughly the same price. Yeah. So, yeah, travel, I'm just kind of saying some of these things to consider. So, um, I mentioned her earlier, Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg. She's um, quite a young girl. I, I don't even know what age 16. she is. Is she? Yeah. So she uh, hasn't been to school now in quite a while, has she? In a year or so. Um, she's so cool, man. Look at, Check her Instagram out. She's also written a little book. She's basically going on a... Her agenda is global warming and, and climate change. So she's sailing around the world. I think it might be that she... Is she sailing around the world? The way she's going to meet people mm. um, and getting she... to other countries is sailing, right. not not via plane, because she's practicing what she's preaching. So these people, 
the there's some irony in that people might be you know there might be a vegan or something that plugs sustainability as one of their rationale for being a vegan yet they'll they're a blogger exactly there's some sort of blogger and they're being paid for something and they'll go and fly in across the world exactly for a conference for a meeting or for a photo shoot it's like you've just flown across the world and you're not fully practicing what you preach now oh my god it's never ending right you you where do you draw the line i know i'm just highlighting this as something to think about so really but i don't think we can expect perfection of course not. I mean, really, you just need to go and find your own little plot of land and live. Pretty much. Yeah. What would you call it? Like, self, be su- completely self-sufficient. But um, Subsistence farming, I think. Yes. Unless you ostracise yourself from society, it's near on impossible. But just to be aware of these things and you can make small changes in your everyday life. You have cold showers, don't do. you? How did that come about again? Basically, my boiler was playing up, and well, I refused not to have a shower, so yeah, I just cracked on and had cold showers, and then for some reason started to almost enjoy them. So I've just carried on having cold showers. So, cold showers because you're not requiring heat to warm them up, um, to warm up your water. That's another way that you can be a little bit more sustainable in your everyday everyday life. Um, actually, there are benefits to cold showers. So I think people may have heard of. Um, those people that go and do like like cold water swimming and open water swimming and there are found to be health benefits like scientists have done research on that so apparently it increases alertness which it would I think that's quite obvious I suppose that's the benefit for me yeah it wakes you up in the morning wakes you up in the morning definitely apparently it refines hair and skin don't know what the evidence is for that well just look at me Uh, you look like you're in your second trimester of pregnancy, glowing. Also, it ap- improves immunity. So there is evidence for that. Oh, my iPad has just uh, gone dead. Um, reduces depression yep. as well. So again, if you think, if we're going to go back to evolutionary-wise, we wouldn't have had warm showers. So we're kind of just, you're kind of just going more in line with what, your body would have naturally adapted to. Yeah. Look, I know it's hard. So why do, So what I've started to do is I have my warm shower and I finish it off cold. So I've started to get myself used to it. It's probably not the best time to start doing this because it's almost October and it's getting cold and it's horrible when you get out of your shower. Then again, I suppose it's not as bad because once you're already cold in the shower, so when you get out, it's just the same. Yeah. And I'm relatively well insulated, so <laughs> it's probably not as bad for me. People don't know what you look like. <laughs> you don't need to be so harsh on yourself. But yeah, so cold showers, that's another one that you can have. So people might find this disgusting, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm the only one that really uses the main bathroom. Yep. So after a piss, I don't flush the toilet. If I'm like home in the evening, I'll because I know I'll have another piss. So... I'll flush it after like every couple of pisses. I'll flush after a poo, but not after one piss, because what's the big deal? It's just sitting in the toilet bowl, it's not hurting anyone. Yeah. I'm the only one who's using it. Hey, even if I wasn't, I suppose out of politeness. But anyway, I do do that. Have you thought about flushing the poo with the piss? Yeah, flushing the poo with the piss. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, instead of using water. Oh, okay, so I poo on top of my piss in order to... What? No, you piss on top of your poo. Oh. <laughs> I don't... I, I don't generate enough Is piss. Is this bit staying in? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can all do your bit, is what I'm saying. Um, I'm bearing all here. And evidence shows that, you know, it's very hard to change habits and we do what is easy. So our brains, the way they work, is that they try and be efficient. We have biases and heurisms, and we do what's easy because we have to make so many decisions in one day. Um, And that is useful, that is useful for life. So we can make quick decisions, and 
we have habits and that is when our body knows better than our mind and meat is ubiquitous and because of the demand it's and because of the scale it's produced is super cheap like particularly chicken but actually veganism doesn't have to be expensive so agreed the alternatives like the yogurt and the cheese alternatives they are expensive although i believe that as the demand increases um, then it should bring the cost down over time but generally most of what i eat is vegetable and then i just season the shit out of it and i just do it in loads of different ways and you can do it really affordably you just need to look up recipes and just be a little bit inventive with it but if you think sort of pulses so chickpeas lentils so things cheap. like this really cheap so cheap 33p yeah. for a can of butter beans you, i mean if you look at india one of the main mm-hmm. dishes would be i don't know some sort of dal yeah and dal. you've got the protein content mm-hmm. covered you know you would be left satisfied mm-hmm. yeah it's certainly doable but Absolutely they are, doable. They are it's so cheap to buy and make make filling mm-hmm. satisfying dinners from definitely yeah so it's a misconception. People think, oh, I can't go vegan, that it's really expensive. It doesn't have to be. It, it really doesn't. I only buy, God, I can't even think what alternatives I buy because I don't, I don't really use the milks personally. But if you wanted to, then yeah, they can be. But actually, even in Aldi, they're not. Um, so oat milk isn't, isn't too bad. In relative terms, it's a little bit more expensive than, than cow milk. But I think it's like two quid a litre. Is it? I'd get so done if I was a politician. She doesn't even know the price of a pint of milk. She's not normal. She's completely detached from normal society. So I think we'll round things off there because we've been uh, chewing the cud for a while now. Yep, that was a cow pun, just milking it. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk this through with me. And for those of you who are listening, this podcast is available on Podbean and also Apple Podcasts. Say what? How weird is it that you can just record a podcast and then upload it onto Apple Podcasts for anyone to listen? I just think it's marvellous. But yes, I am working on getting this um, available on more podcast platforms. Um, I will keep you updated on that. But again, thanks so much for listening and until the next time, goodbye.